In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christ is risen. Today we remember the myrrh-bearing women, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Upon reading today's Gospel according to Mark, three words came to mind. Faith, courage, and love. In this extremely tense, anguished, and dark period, at the foot of the cross, we are presented with these truly faithful followers of Christ, who stayed with him right up until the end. Joseph of Arimathea put his reputation on the line, and taking courage, he petitioned Pilate for the body of our crucified Lord. He not only petitioned Pilate for our Lord's body, but also offered a burial shroud and a newly hewn tomb. By doing this, he nailed his colors to the mast and declared to the Jewish ruling elite where his allegiance lay. Joseph of Arimathea had much to lose by doing this for he was a respected member of the council, the Sanhedrin. But bravely and courageously, he declared by his actions to all where his allegiance lay. As well we hear of the faithful women who remained with our Lord to the end. And as the gospel says, they saw where he was laid. After fulfilling their religious duty for the Sabbath day, they were up early on the first day of the week, purchasing the required spices to embalm the body of our Lord. As they walk to the tomb, they discuss how they're going to open it. How are they possibly going to open the tomb? As the stone rolled over, the opening is so large. But this never deterred them. They kept on walking to the tomb. Their prayers were answered, for they found the tomb open. But not only that, the tomb was empty. And they were now the first witnesses of the resurrection of our Lord. They're informed by the angel, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. What faith, what courage, what love. No matter what potential obstacles there were, they courageously persisted and kept their faith, their hope, and their love. They were unwavering. I looked up the meaning of courage, seeing I was using it, and it said mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. 
So what can we learn from this example as presented in today's Gospel reading? It is always easy to be the follower of Christ when the going is good. All the disciples, excepting John and the Theotokos, had fled from the scene. It is just these few faithful people who stayed to the bitter end. So often a situation like this leads to a response of fear, bitterness, revenge, brokenness. But instead it led to faith, courage and love. They are an inspiration to us all for how to respond in situations that we face day to day. Do we allow the bitterness, the negativity to overtake us? Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus and the myrrh-bearing women could have quite easily allowed that to happen to them. I'm quite sure it would not have been easy for them to respond in the way they did. The immense stresses and pressures they must have been under, as well as the emotional anguish they were experienced, did not overwhelm their courage, their faith and their love. Courageously they withstood all the pressures and their faith in Christ and their love for Christ overcame all the darkness around them. In all our everyday interactions at work, at home, with friends, with family, with colleagues, with parish members, how are we going to respond? Are we going to allow faith, courage and love to fill us and to be expressed in all our actions, in all our responses? No matter how dire the situation, our faith and love in Christ and for Christ must be what fills us and guides us. That is our calling. I'm changing tack now. Last week I was asked um, if I could say some words on church etiquette. So I'm just going to add a, a little addendum at the end of my sermon. Abbot Trifon the other day wrote, and this will be the introduction, and he said, God's house is entered with awe and fear. He was writing on the reverence in church. We must practice reverence in the temple, whether during services or when we step into the church to light a candle and venerate the holy icons. The temple is that place set apart for the worship of the Holy Trinity and is the place where the bloodless sacrifice is offered before the throne of God. It is in the temple that we receive the body and blood of our Saviour unto remission of sins and unto life everlasting. It is the holy place where we are cleansed of our sins through the threefold immersion of baptism, becoming members 
of one body, the church. The temple is the place where we seek to be reconciled with God through the mystery of penance and enter into the life of the Spirit. The temple is God's house and must be entered with awe and the fear of God. Now firstly, before we enter the temple, it's a good idea at the door, and you'll often see this, you cross yourselves. Now why do we cross ourselves? We cross ourselves in preparation for entering the church. By simply crossing ourselves prepares us. But and you'll see some people, they will cross themselves and they will bow. Some people I have seen, I was on a tram and a man, every time he passed a church, faced the church and crossed himself. So people even cross themselves as they go past the church. But the first thing is we need to be on time. And the reason being, Divine Liturgy is divided into two sections. First, we hear the Word of God, and we are nourished by the Word of God. And then, we are nourished in the second part by the body and blood of Christ. Both go together. We need both, not just one, both. So we need to be on time. We need to be here at least before the apostolus is read. And having been filled with Christ's word and with his body and blood, we then go out into the world filled with Christ. We take Christ out into the world. Upon entering the church, we need to light a candle, venerate the icons, light a candle, pray. And we must remember the church, when we come in, is not a social club. All the social activity can happen at the morning tea afterwards in the hall. We must remember that the church is a house of prayer. We need to respect others in the congregation's desire to pray. And it is not a place for chit-chat. It is a place for prayer and for worship. We attend the service with reverence. We are not casual in our behavior, lounging around with our legs crossed, etc., etc. This is the same with what we wear. We dress respectfully and with reverence. Our clothes should not make us a spectacle for Christ is our focus. Throughout the service, we show reverence and participate through prayer, singing, crossing ourselves, metanias and prostrations when needed. If there's sensing going on, we face the person who's sensing. So wherever the priest is, you face the priest and are sensed. If the gospel or the apostolus is being read, you stop whatever you're doing and you face to where the apostolus or the gospel is being read. You don't continue on 
doing what you're doing. When we line up for Holy Communion, there should be no talking. There should be reverential silence and prayer as we prepare ourselves to receive the Holy Mysteries. When we are before the priest, and this will be very helpful, when we are before the priest, it's not always easy to remember everyone's name. Say your name clearly. So come up and say, for example, Nicholas. Then the priest can then say the appropriate um, wording when he gives you communion. And I'd like to end with the mothers. For today is a very special day and mothers are very special people. So to all the mothers on this special day, as we call it Mother's Day, may God grant you all many years and may his abundant blessings be upon you all.